0: There's not just one way. There's not just one solution, especially in leadership where coming from the engineering world where, you know, one plus one is always equal to two. There's a lot of different approaches and a lot of different nuances that can be taken that can ultimately lead to great success. And so it's only by listening to understand those perspectives and trying them and working with those people that I've been able to learn and listen along the way. the oil and gas industry the driving engine of the world economy delivering prosperity innovation and abundance across the globe here are the stories of its key players directly from the leaders themselves this is oil and gas industry leaders podcast where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow here is your host Paige wilson
1: Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by CBRE. CBRE is the global leader in real estate operations, providing solutions to the world's largest energy, oil, and gas companies. CBRE supports their clients' facilities, both upstream and downstream, without compromising safety by delivering strategies that optimize operations, reduce costs, and risks. Unlock the power of your energy, oil, and gas portfolio with CBRE. Learn more at www.cbre.com forward slash E-O-G. All right, let's read a review. I got a five-star review. Thanks, guys. Uh, highly recommend. This show is the original focused on energy executives, and not a single one of the copycats even come close. I know because I've tried to listen to all of them. Real heartfelt and impactful interviews performed by an expert in her field with amazing audio quality to boot. Highly recommended. From John John Weir. Quadruple A from the United States. Thanks so much, John. Uh, if you're interested in getting your hands on some OGGN laptop hard hat stickers, check out the show notes for a 10 second survey and we'll get those shipped out to you. All right, well, let's get into this week's guest. I'm sitting here today with Scott Moosebacker, Chief Executive Officer of Vista Projects. Scott, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, very good. Where are you in the country?
0: I am located actually in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, so just Ooh. north of Montana.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I've been there this year.
0: It's a fantastic place. I love it. It's close to the mountains.
1: It's cooler. (laughs) Way cooler than Houston. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. All right. Well, let's talk about how you got started in the industry, Scott.
0: Yeah. So I'm a process engineer. I was trained as a chemical engineer up at the University of Alberta. And for most of us, graduating back in the early 2000s, the oil and gas industry was that was the place to go. There was so much development. There's so much excitement around the industry. And so after I finished my bachelor's, I went back and did a master's of science in chemical engineering at the U of A as well, where Mm -hmm. I got some hands-on experience in a research lab that was doing research on the oil sands up here in Alberta.
1: Very good. So what made you want to get into the industry? Like a lot of people go through the parts where it's the family business kind of thing. What really brought your heart into it?
0: Totally. So, yeah, I didn't have any family members or anything like that that were in the industry. I guess the excitement was it was just the aura of the oil and gas industry in Alberta. It's still a really big part of our industry today. But back then, it was even more so an emerging technology. A lot of our reserves were just becoming proven. and, And there was new technologies coming online that were really opening up the ability to produce vast amount of oil that could be done in a much cleaner and much more responsible way than it's being done across the world. And just the innovation and creativity and excitement that was around that is something that was enough to draw me and I know a lot of others into the industry.
1: Very good. Very good. Yeah. I mean, y'all have been in the news a lot lately. I recently visited Alberta and attended an event called Empower Alberta. And so just seeing the heart of everyone there and how much they love this industry is incredibly empowering. So let's talk about your current role with Vista Projects.
0: So I've recently moved into the chief executive officer role here at Vista Projects. It's a role that I'm super excited about. I've actually been with Vista Projects for 17 years now, and I've progressed through multiple different roles along the way, but I've just been promoted to move into chief executive role.
1: Awesome. Congratulations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent opportunity. I live and breathe, you know, family, but also Vista Projects here. And it's such an exciting opportunity for me to be able to continue to help and support our company as we continue to grow and emerge as a global
1: player. Very good. Very good. So what does Vista Projects do?
0: So we are an engineering and procurement company. We've been around for 37 years. We've been in oil and gas for all 37 of them. (laughs) And it's where our heart is. It's where we started. It's where we continue to provide our engineering and procurement services throughout. And it's always going to be where we exist in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This is the heart of who we are. And so that's at our core, what we do over the last several years, we've been really branching into digital transformation on our own project execution. We've launched our own procurement software that's primarily guided toward companies similar to us, but also a wide variety of others. And recently, we've really been diversifying outside of the oil and gas, not because we don't love oil and gas still, but just to provide that opportunity for us to be able to share our lessons from the oil and gas industry to other places that maybe haven't had the creativity and innovation and experience that we've seen over the last many years.
1: Very good. So when VISA Projects was started, it had oil and gas in mind already?
0: Yes, it was primarily on the gas side of things that we Uh were doing work. And it evolved over the course of 20 years where we were still doing a lot of oil and gas projects. We have a lot of gas production here in Alberta that we were primarily servicing. In fact, one of my first roles here was to move into an old gas processing facility. It was located in the mountains. So We were doing some emissions testing where we had a stack that was located in between mountains and we had to make sure that our ground levels and radiation was acceptable. So it was a really unique kind of a problem. And from there, it's been migrating through gas projects as well as some major, we call it steam-assisted gravity drainage or thermal production facilities. And that's where I really cut my teeth on some really major facilities back starting in 2008. We were awarded some major work with one of the major clients up here. And we grew (laughs) commiserate with that to do that work.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And very unique, just as you said. I like that.
0: Oh, yeah. It's such a unique environment that we've grown up in. We've been able to take lessons from other oil and gas and water treatment production facilities, and we've applied it to our own. And especially back in the mid-1990s, 2000s, we were rapidly looking for new technologies to handle it. My background has typically been in the water treatment side of things. I love the water side of the oil and gas industry because it's such an important part of it. And it's because it's where our biggest challenges lie. They can be so different between project to project. And that's where I think what I really pride Vista on is especially in the inception of the industry in those mid 2000s is helping to innovate and come up with ideas to enhance our water recycling, enhance our sustainability, and really overall ensure that the development of our oil and gas industry was as responsible as possible.
1: Right. And I think that's where a lot of people are misinformed is that they think we don't care about the environment when we have only done things to improve the safety and protect the environment.
0: Of course, and regulations have helped drive that in Alberta, for sure. But I would also suggest that it's out of the responsible nature of the development companies and companies like Vista that are doing the engineering and procurement of those facilities. It's incumbent on us to try to ensure that our industry not only produces properly, but also gets the word out that we are a very sustainable production source that's providing ethical oil to North America.
1: Yeah, yeah. Incredibly important that we get that word out. And I, that's pretty much why we do what we do here at OGGN. Okay. So let's get into leadership, Scott. What is leadership to you? Well, that's a big question.
0: I'd say leadership to me is the ability to work with others and help drive towards a common goal or a common set of achievements that requires more than a single person to do. It's providing clear direction on what needs to happen. And this is where, to me, it starts to come into different leadership styles. I would suggest that my leadership style is one that where I do my best to provide direction on where we need to go, but then ensure the team that's responsible for executing that, which I certainly include myself, is supported along the way to help find best paths as well as remove any roadblocks that might be encountered along the way.
1: Very good. So do you have an example of a difficult experience you've had as a leader thus far?
0: So I'd say, I mean, one of the biggest challenges that we encounter is making sure that the projects that we execute are completed in a best case scenario. And oftentimes it's making sure that the staffing, the people and the expertise is correctly aligned with the project execution philosophy. And so from my perspective, we've got a excellent group of subject matter experts and it's finding ways to enable them to be actively engaged in the projects and the problems and the challenges that our clients and our partners have and ensuring that they've got all the resources available to them and so as we are you know taking on new projects in adjacent industries including non-renewables and other energy adjacent projects we need to make sure that we are able to leverage our expertise and provide the value that we can to those difficult projects.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get that. So what is the most rewarding thing about being a leader?
0: I think one of the most rewarding parts of being a leader is ultimately helping people be successful and seeing their internal kind of rewards coming to them. When we are successful on projects, and obviously that's the goal of every single project, when we can execute those in a way where we've learned something, where we've been able to provide the value that we do on a day-to-day and on a project-by-project basis, when we are successful on those projects and we are able to develop these long-lasting partnerships with single clients and in other technology partner relationships, that's where I think I find the biggest value in the leadership that I'm able to provide.
1: Very good. So throughout your career, you've had all these different experiences. And if you had a piece of advice from what you've learned to give our audience, what would that be? I would say
0: the biggest piece of advice that I would, and I always recommend whether it's at work or whether it's play, is to listen. I think that there's a ton of information out there that People can provide you. We've got all these subject matter experts, we've got project managers that all have a different perspective and a different way to approach and attack things. And when you take the time to listen rather than try to formulate a response or an opinion, that's where true learning and true communication and true collaboration can actually occur. And so I would say for myself, it's been through these listening sessions and these listening processes where I've been able to learn and I've been able to work with others to ultimately collaborate on developing a best-in-class product or solution for our clients or within our own project execution teams.
1: What's the most profound thing you've learned from listening, Scott?
0: I would say the most profound thing that I've heard from listening is that there's a lot of different ways to be successful on a single project or a single challenge we've got a lot of different personalities, a lot of different perspectives here at Vista, which is something that we celebrate as part of our diversity. Yeah, And it's understanding that there's not just one way, there's not just one solution, especially in leadership where coming from the engineering world where, you know, one plus one is always equal to two. There's a lot of different approaches and a lot of different nuances that can be taken that can ultimately lead to great success. And so it's only by listening to understand those perspectives and trying them and working with those people that I've been able to learn and listen along the way.
1: Yeah, very good. I guess it goes back to the saying, there's more than one way to skin a cat, huh? Totally. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. What book influenced you the most?
0: Oh, I would say one of the earliest books that I really sunk my teeth into that had an impact was Uh, It's called It's Your Ship by D. Michael Aberhoff. And it was a book that talked a lot about applying leadership principles based on the organization that you have, Mm -hmm. but also looking forward into understanding what kind of an organization you want to be. It talked a lot about, you know, some of the similar themes that I've already kind of alluded to here is focusing on the people, listening to them and understanding where they are coming from to help them achieve what they can achieve. And by enabling and enhancing the individuals the teams ultimately the organization is going to be in a much better position along the way all right and it was a fantastic story i love oh too. good <laughs> yeah yeah it is i mean
1: all,
0: i've read a lot of books there's some meaningful books out there but this one had some great stories along the way that really kept me engaged and i've read it a couple of times i've listened to it as an audiobook it's a fantastic one that i'd certainly recommend
1: for folks very good what would you say is your most used business tool?
0: Well, I'd say, I mean, the easy answer is probably Microsoft Teams, mm-hmm. just because we're using that <laughs> day in and day out, especially with clients that are located remotely. But I would say one of the tool, the second largest tool that we use is actually Something that Vista has developed internally, we've got a bunch of applications that we've developed that help our project execution, our financing, our HR teams, and it's essentially a suite of applications that help me execute projects, whether that's coming together with the hours, with the cost controls, with project reporting, with any other management report that you would expect to be required to to complete a successful project, all that information is there in real time. And this is kind of, it's analogous to the way we execute our projects in these kind of digital spaces. As we said about 10 years ago, we can execute projects like this. Why not execute or do project execution using these kinds of tools? And we did our search and felt that, you know why don't we develop these tools ourselves? So we did, and it's always on the left-hand screen when I'm doing right work on the right-hand screen.
1: Yeah. Call me nerdy, but I love a good project management tool.
0: Oh, it's, it's <laughs> fantastic, especially for us where it's been internally developed and we can say, hey, you know, what? this isn't quite working for us. Let's tweak it. And tomorrow it's tweaked and changed
1: and meets exactly what we need it to do. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. It is. Yeah. That's fantastic. So I don't necessarily know if this is applicable, but who's your most respected competitor? I mean, we've
0: got a fair number of competitors. We have historically been doing a lot of work in Calgary, but over the last five years, we've really branched out to doing a lot of work across the United States as well. So I would say our list of competitors has probably grown. Mm-hmm. Where we have typically provided a lot of value is not only on smaller projects, but also on really large projects. And so I would say our major competitors are probably the major EPs and EPCs that, that would come to mind when you think of those particular uh, activities. And one thing I would say is that the way we execute our jobs is perhaps a little bit different. Being a smaller, more nimble company, mm-hmm. we develop our teams to help adapt to our clients and develop client-specific teams that have, in some cases, we've been working with one client for almost... Well, since I started 17 years ago. And so people obviously come and go along the way, but ultimately we've got a team that is finely attuned to how that client wants projects to be executed. And because of our size and our ability, we've been able to adapt our work and our processes to meet exactly what we need. And that ends working with the same client for continuously almost for 17 straight years along the way. Yeah. And that's something that I think that we can do that maybe the bigger folks struggle with to some
1: extent. Well, that leads me to my next question. What makes you better than the competition?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would say it's exactly that. It's our ability at our size to be nimble and agile and essentially adapt to what our clients need. We are not, we've got our own project execution philosophy and leadership and technology tools, but we will present those as an opportunity. And that's where a lot of our new technology kind of work that's what we do. But when we come into larger organizations, we are happy to adapt to what they require specifically to execute their projects. And so that's, I think, fairly unique to have a single organization that has groups that are able to either impose or leverage our learnings and our expertise or adapt to what our clients need.
1: Very good. What would you say is your most important lesson learned, Scott? Oh,
0: that's a great question. I would say... There's a lot of lessons along the way. I would probably return back to stating that there's not just one way to be successful on a project. I've dabbled, you know, in my own leadership expertise with different ways of executing projects based on people and based on mentors that have been with me. And ultimately what I found is that I the biggest lesson I would take away is take what you can from your mentors and your peers and adapt it to a style that works best for you. Everyone's going to have a different way of wanting to work in their own leadership style. And I would suggest trying to adapt or execute on someone else's leadership style, just because it's successful may not necessarily be successful for you. So listen, be mentored, but ultimately do what you need to do to yeah. be the best who you can be.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, we're so different in so many different ways. We learn differently. Great advice. Very good. How, how, Is your role now important to the future of the oil and gas industry?
0: So I would say in an engineering and procurement company like we are, I would say the importance of engineering and procurement is vitally important to ensure that we are adapting and ultimately working with our clients to provide creativity and innovation across the industry to prove out and show that the oil and gas industry, similar to what you said, is not bad We have provided and completed some of the most creative projects, I think, in a long time to be able to ensure that we are compliant with industry, that we are reducing our impact on the environment, that we're responsibly providing the energy that the world needs. And I would say, from my perspective, that's our job to continue to innovate, to continue to find ways to provide this value and ultimately provide better ways of executing projects to ensure that the oil and gas industry continues.
1: Good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So what are your thoughts about telling someone about the oil and gas industry that doesn't quite understand it?
0: Yeah, so I would say, I mean, a lot of the misconceptions I think about the oil and gas industry come from a lack of understanding of what we do. I I know specifically in you know Vista's world where we've been doing a lot of thermal oil projects, there's no huge mines. We recycle ninety to ninety-five percent of our water. We use water that is unpalatable for livestock, for ourselves, and is mm-hmm. not economical to be treated. We are extremely conscious of the environment around us. And so I would say that is what We need to continue to do going forward.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so incredibly important that people understand that this industry is not going away, but we're incredibly environmentally responsible, especially in North America.
0: Exactly. And that's where sharing how we have improved, how we have adapted to the world and its needs and its requirements. I think it's no less than amazing what we've been able to do. And I think that continuing to tell people about it to not necessarily just pump our own tires, but ultimately indicate and illustrate to folks that may be skeptical that this is really an important part of the future of energy, and it will continue to be so, and we'll continue to find ways to make it more responsible.
1: Yeah, only room for improvement here, right?
0: (laughs) And that's the thing is that we have done so much over the last, at least over my career, and I have no doubt that we're going to continue along that path that I'm excited for what the future brings.
1: Yeah, yeah. Even with the renewables coming in, I mean, you can't make the renewables without oil and gas, so.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's always gonna be part of our future. And it's showing people that, A, we're already doing some really amazing things to be environmentally responsible. And like you said, it's a critical part of our way of life.
1: Yes. So Scott, do you have a favorite podcast?
0: Oh, I love industry leaders. That's <laughs> <laughs> certainly so. I mean, that's one that I really enjoy. I mean, I listen to, I really enjoy reading, but I would say for just the kind of the getaway on the car on the way home, uh-huh. a combination of just quiet reflection time, but also I really enjoy uh, Smart Less is one of my favorite podcasts right now. It's just that little touch of humor that I really enjoy.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you need to bring me down.
0: <laughs> totally.
1: kind of funny time to just let go of what has already happened throughout the day exactly exactly okay well thank you so much for joining me scott if people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about vista projects how might they go about doing so
0: you can certainly visit our website which is vistaprojects.com
1: and all of our contact information will certainly be there and all i right. think uh yeah it'll probably be part of
0: the podcast here
1: yeah, I always leave links for everybody in the show notes so they don't have to worry about it until they get. Like you said, most people listen to podcasts in the car. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We don't need anybody trying to write stuff down while you're driving, folks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember it's up to you to open the next door.
0: Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.